Jesus commanded St. Faustina in her Divine Mercy Diary, Article 83. Write this, he said to her, before I come as the just judge, I am coming first as the King of Mercy. Welcome to the Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Langer, and I am welcoming to the show Dr. Troy Hinkle, who's the co-founder of Holy Family School of Faith. Welcome to the show, Troy. Thank you, Chloe. Good being with you again. It was so good to have you on the show back during our Lenten series, where you talked with Joe about the theology of John the Beloved. And now we're in Easter celebrating the resurrection, and we're discussing the physical case for Catholicism. So, yeah, so we'll have you here to discuss the the beauty of Divine Mercy. And once again, we'll be a day late, a dollar short. This will come out a day after we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday. But it's so beautiful to dig into what um, the Divine Mercy image means for us as Catholics. So there'll be three things that we really want our our listeners to take away from today's episode. So first, um, in the eyes of the world, St. Faustina is a nobody, but the Lord looks at her heart and he gives Faustina the message of mercy. And we can learn the beauty of the interior docility and humility from Faustina's story. Uh, Second, there are many ways to approach divine mercy, and we'll be discussing the history and the practices of those devotions. And lastly, the divine mercy image is more than just a picture of Jesus, and it points to the truth of Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Oh, Chloe, I'm excited. I am too. (laughs) This is good to discuss. Great. So So thanks for having me. Yeah, let's dive right in. Part one, the life of St. Faustina. We started with Article 83. Mm -hmm where I, I, we read, and I said earlier, write this before I come as the just judge. I'm coming first as the king of mercy. Mm-hmm. Then he says in Article 1588, uh, this is from uh, Faustina's Divine Mercy Diary, mm-hmm. before the day of justice, I am sending the day of mercy. That's kind of scary. Yes. Before the day of justice, I am sending the day of mercy. Uh-huh. Mercy's not scary. No. But I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't want to stand before the Lord uh, and, and be judged on terms of strict justice. Right. So this gift of divine mercy is a true gift, and it is something for us to be excited about and to take advantage of. Yes, amen to that. So thank you for having me on to discuss this. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so beautiful, so important, and especially in today, like you mentioned, like the, the day is coming, like and like you said before before we started recording the podcast, that was back in the 30s, and, mm-hmm. and here we are in 2018, like yes. imminent probably is coming up pretty dang That's quick. That's right, right, when he told her that the day of, of, of justice is imminent, mm-hmm. and, and he wanted to get this devotion to his divine mercy to a stricken world. Now think of this. Mm-hmm. He says this in the 1930s. Now granted, we're in the Depression in the right. United States and in places of Europe. Mm-hmm. Hitler takes power in 1933. These messages are from 1934 to 1938 with, with St. Faustina. Mm-hmm. World War II begins right after she dies, after Hitler uh, declares Austria as kind of... Um, uh, his territory, mm-hmm. the Anschluss, where he says, okay, Austria, you're mine now. Mm-hmm. And then that only creates the insatiable hunger for him. Well, since that time, think of what the world has gone through. Right. Cold War, mm-hmm. fear of nuclear war, yep. continued fear of nuclear war after the fall of the Iron Curtain, mm-hmm. rise of Islam, the sexual revolution, the breakdown of the family, the increase of addictions and addictive behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yet again, just yesterday, another shooting yep. at uh, the YouTube headquarters. Mm-hmm. This is this is disturbing. Very much so. So there is a timeliness to this message mm-hmm. that we need to pay attention to. 
So let's dig into who this message was given to a little bit and talk about St. Faustina's life. She didn't really have an easy life. Um, She really faced a lot of obstacles. So even on from an early age. So can you tell us a little bit about her life and what her vocational journey looked like? Yeah, so she uh, uh, was born in Poland Mm -hmm. and um, she had a desire to be a nun at a young age, but her parents were not very supportive. Mm -hmm. So she tells this story that she was at a dance with her sisters. Yeah. And she didn't really feel like dancing, but she ended up out on the dance floor. And she says, while she was on the dance floor, she had a vision of our Lord after the scourging. Oh my gosh. Who approached her with his wounds, Mm -hmm. his flesh hanging there, Mm -hmm. she says. And all all of a sudden she said, everyone disappeared. Mm -hmm. Everything turned black except for her and the Lord. And he said, Faustina, how long must you keep me waiting? And uh, so she knew this vision was real, that she wasn't just dreaming it or imagining mm-hmm. it or that it wasn't just um, a, an over-active, overactive imagination, mm-hmm. but rather she was actually seeing our Lord. This was one of the first apparitions that she had from him. So she left the dance floor. She sat down. When her sisters came over, they said, okay, girl, you look flush. <laughs> What's going on here? You don't look so good. And, you know, what are you going to say? Well, I just talked with the scourged Lord, and I better go become a nun. Uh, so she knew she couldn't say that. Mm-hmm. But that's what happened. Right, right. So she she did dismiss herself from her sisters, mm-hmm. and she went to the convent that very night. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Joined. Yeah. But like, I would have loved that much of a, a blatant in your face. Like, this is your vocation. Like, yes. This is what you're called to. So how beautiful that the Lord is so not subtle with her. Yeah, well, it shows you that he had selected her for a very special vocation. Mm -hmm. And because of that, and because of her suffering that she would endure later, he decided he wanted to appear to her directly. So you're right. It's a sign of his own mercy. Right. Right from the the beginning. from the very beginning of her story. So she goes to the convent. Um, St. Faustina comes from, like, a family who's poor. She has little education, so she's given very menial tasks around mm-hmm. the convent. Mm-hmm. Um, and our Lord appears to her, though. And so Faustina, when she was 26 years old, like, can you tell us about their meeting, what that vision looked like? This isn't the first time she's seen Christ. Yeah, so she she has four years of visions, mm-hmm. I believe from 34 to 38. And the first visions occur not in Poland, but in Vilnius, Lithuania, 450-whatever miles to the north. Mm-hmm. Because her community of sisters, I believe they're uh, Our Lady of Divine Mercy is mm-hmm. the name of her community. She They sent her to one of the houses in Vilnius, Lithuania. Mm-hmm. And this is when she for, uh, first begins receiving messages from our Lord. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that he has selected her for this specific vocation to make his divine mercy known. Mm-hmm. Now think of it. In a world that is growing darker with sin and is choosing a path that leads further and further away from God, that world is going to necessarily respond to the existence of God with greater fear and flee him even more. Right. And as he saw this uh, unfolding, or as he's God, Mm -hmm. everything's a present moment to Mm -hmm. him now, but as it's unfolding in history for us, he wants this message of divine mercy to be broadcast around the world. And he chooses one person, Mm -hmm. St. Faustina, to be the instrument. Just like before her, he chose St. Margaret Mary Alacoque 
to uh, instigate or initiate devotion to his sacred heart back in the 17th century. Right. And it kind of fell by the wayside. And so he's mm-hmm. rekindling interest, inspiration, and devotion through St. Faustina to his divine heart. That's beautiful. So Faustina is in Poland. Eventually, she's not the only Polish saint that we know and love in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And her life is very closely intertwined. Uh, with the message of St. John Paul II. So mm-hmm. what ties those two saints together? Well, it's a, there's an interesting quote that I would like to read to you from her Divine Mercy Diary. Mm-hmm. This quote is from Article 1732, 1732. She says this, As I was praying for Poland, I heard these words. I bear a special love for Poland, and if she will be obedient to my will, I will exalt her in might and holiness. From her will come forth the spark that will prepare the world for my final coming. Mm. And now, if I may, I would like to give a quote from St. John Paul that he gave in Krakow, August 17th, 2002. He said this, From here, Poland, there must go forth the spark which will prepare the world for Jesus' final coming. This spark, he says needs to be lighted by the grace of God. This fire of mercy needs to be passed on to the world. And so St. John Paul points out to us, this spark is indeed the mercy of God. Mm -hmm. And in his humility, he didn't want to take claim that maybe he himself is that (laughs) spark. Right, is the spark, yeah. Because think, he's the one who canonizes Faustina in 2000. Mm -hmm. He's the one who gives us Divine Mercy Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. Right, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I love how his humility and his recognition that like, oh, this could be me, but I'm just like like Faustina, like that absolute humility and docility to the fact that God may be calling him to that special mission as well. Right, right. Yeah, so you think of the suffering you know the other great Polish saint, Saint mm-hmm. Maximilian Kolbe, mm-hmm. who's who's uh, murdered at Auschwitz uh, by giving his life for another. This message of mercy comes at the price of suffering. All three of these great Polish saints, including the country of Poland itself, mm-hmm. has suffered and endured such suffering. And yet, look at how they've been purified. These yep. three beautiful holy saints: Faustina, yep. Maximilian Kolbe, Saint John Paul II. And then the country. Poland is one of the first European countries to ban uh, 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 workers to work on the Lord's Day. Mm -hmm. They prayed a rosary for the security of their country. They lined up, they lined across the borders of their country, prayed the rosary. This was a few months ago. And they um, want to set aside the Lord's Day as the Lord's Day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and to begin worshiping the Lord. And I know it's controversial, but the messages that have come out of Medjugorje, which have not been approved yet by the church, mm-hmm. and I realize the controversy, nevertheless, I find it odd that mm-hmm. one of the messages uh, that Our Lady gave to the, the children uh, there in what was then Yugoslavia was mm-hmm. that Poland would be uh, would be victorious over the suffering by the just. Mm. So it's just interesting to see what's been happening to Poland and then these three tre- uh, three tremendous saints. Part two, the different channels to divine mercy. So there's five different channels that devotion to divine mercy takes. And we'll discuss the divine mercy image itself in part three. But first, let's take a closer look at the other four paths to devotion. So we'll start with the novena. Um, to divine mercy. Right. So one of the things our Lord requested, that he taught St. Faustina the chaplet of divine mercy mm-hmm. itself, which you pray on rosary beads. Mm-hmm. 
and um, they're quicker prayers. Um, you know, Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our dearly beloved Son, of your dearly beloved Son, mm -hmm. our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and for those of the whole world. That short prayer indicates how our Lord is offering himself as priest and as sacrifice and as altar to the Father. Mm -hmm. But because we're baptized and we're brought into his life, we share in his priesthood. Right. So he, he calls us to participate in the offering of him to the Father for this mercy. And then he has prayers on the Hail Mary beads as well. So what he asks for is on Good Friday for Catholics and Christians mm -hmm. around the world to begin what's been known as the, the Novena to Divine Mercy. And it culminates then on the Sunday after Easter, known as Mercy Sunday. Mm -hmm. And each day during the Novena, he asks for specific concerns to be offered to him so that he can pour out his mercy. For mm -hmm. instance, he wants to pray for all sinners and immerse them in divine mercy. That's on day one. Mm -hmm. uh, he wants to uh, have us bring all devout and faithful souls the third day. Uh, he, he wants children. He wants souls who are sick. He wants... Mm -hmm people who um, are in purgatory and etc. to be offered to him on various days of this novena. Then he makes some very profound promises. He says that once we come to Mercy Sunday, if we've been to confession within eight days, and I believe Pope Benedict XVI extended it for okay. benefit to 20 days, mm -hmm. and if we receive communion, which obviously we will go right. to Mass, right. and if we've even if we haven't prayed the entire novena, mm -hmm. if we pray the chaplet on that day, mm -hmm. he says, I will immerse you in my, in my mercy. You will receive grace that's not just the grace we get when we go to the sacrament of reconciliation, but also the grace we get that would be similar to a plenary indulgence, mm -hmm. namely that our souls will be returned to the state they had after they were originally baptized. Wow. State, the state of innocence, yeah. this purification from temporal punishment. Mm -hmm. um, what, what a tremendous gift. So this is a devotion we want to make sure people take advantage yes, of. Yes, yes. How beautiful that it starts on Good Friday as well. Like this this incredible act of mercy where Christ is crucified. And then we, it culminates on the on the Divine Mercy Sunday. Like what perfect bookends to this right. novena. Again, this connection between mercy and, and suffering. suffering. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So this is this will come out on the Monday after Divine Mercy Sunday. We've already mentioned too that this was is installed as a practice by John Paul II. But can you tell us a little bit about what Divine Mercy Sunday means for the church? So for the church, Divine Mercy Sunday is a Sunday set aside specifically for the universal church on behalf of the church but the entire world that we call upon the mercy of God. If you think of justice mm -hmm. as defined, what do I owe you? Right. Mercy goes beyond. Mm -hmm. It says, okay, I might owe you this, but mercy means I'm going to go beyond what I owe you. Justice, I give you what you deserve. Mercy, I give you what you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. I go beyond that. Mm -hmm. And this is what our Lord wants. He wants no soul to go to hell, and I don't either, right. uh, especially my own <laughs> or yours, <laughs> Chloe. Uh, but uh, neither does our Lord. So mm -hmm. he wants us to make a veil to mercy, but the one thing he won't do, he won't force it on us. Right. So he asks his church to intercede. And he he will actually uh, perform super abundant graces for souls that ordinarily would reject him, mm -hmm. souls that ordinarily would go to hell forever. Mm. He will give particular graces due to the fact that his universal church is praying the novena, 
is calling to mind the devotion to Divine Mercy on Mercy Sunday and is performing acts of penance and sacramental offerings and graces for those souls, that means people who otherwise would be lost will be found. People who otherwise mm-hmm. would be dead will be alive because of the way he wants to draw us in as participants mm-hmm. in the distribution of these graces of mercy. That's beautiful. So we've talked about these first devotions. We've talked about the chaplet as well as the third way to the divine mercy and how beautiful this. I love the devotion to the divine mercy and the chaplet because mm-hmm. I can say it on my way to work. Like I have a 10 minute drive and I'm able to say it right. um, on my way to work. So it's very accessible. If you're looking for a good prayer to start that is even with little people. I remember growing up praying this because it's, it's something that mom sat us down with and it was something that we could, we knew really well and it was a, a beautiful message to, to spread to little. So yeah, mm-hmm. something definitely mm-hmm. too. And included in in the chaplet and in the in the novena, and then the last one before we get to the image is acts of mercy um, in our own lives and in the mm-hmm. life of the church mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, so there are two categories of mercy that the church offers us: mm-hmm. corporal works of mercy. And corporal is a Latin word that means bodily, mm-hmm. uh, where we get the word corporation. Um, right. It means just a body, uh, uh, the physical body. So things like feeding the, the hungry, mm-hmm. or giving drink to the thirsty, or clothing the naked. Mm-hmm. These are corporal or, or bodily acts of mercy, where we help people who are in need physically, and we must always keep in mind the needs of the poor, the needs of the hungry. If we have an abundance, that abundance is not for us to squander or use excessively on ourselves and indulge in our own desires. Mm-hmm. It is there that given to us by the Lord that we use for the poor. But there are also spiritual acts of right. mercy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've dedicated my life to, Chloe, mm-hmm. with the Holy Family School of Faith. Mm-hmm. We instruct the ignorant. We counsel uh, those who are downtrodden and, mm-hmm. and struggling with sin. We encourage those souls. We help them grow in their friendship with Jesus and their holiness. And then we also equip them to share that faith, that life in Jesus, that friendship with their friends. Mm -hmm. So that the spiritual poverty that exists so abundantly in our physically wealthy culture Mm -hmm. uh, may be addressed so that sinners may return to him. And we might be these these channels, these agents, Pope Francis likes to call us, these agents of divine mercy. I love how beautifully accessible the corporal works of mercy are too for our daily lives. And even look at like the lives of parents. Like sometimes you look at like, oh, feed the hungry. That means that I have to go to the soup kitchen. But like mm-hmm. if you're feeding your kids, like right. you're performing a corporal work That's of mercy. Right. And so That's there's a lot right. of beauty and accessibility That's right. That. And one of the other things we're doing within, within my organization mm-hmm. is we want to encourage people to gather in small communities of of friendships where we spend time with Mm -hmm. each other we take interest in each other we have a meal with each other right we feed each other (laughs) but we're feeding not only the physical need but the need for friendship one of the greatest travesties of our modern age and tragedies is the loneliness people feel and pope francis mentioned this in his document the joy of the gospel Mm -hmm. he says Never in the history of man have we seen such access to social media. Right. And yet, he says, never has man uh, felt more anonymous, mm-hmm. more alone. Mm-hmm. Loneliness is a terrible plague in our culture. Even people who might know other people and spend time with other people, it's so superficial. Right. It's just on a shallow level. That's right. Mm-hmm. We hunger to be known, truly. Right. But we're afraid because we don't want to be rejected or found wanting. Mm -hmm. This is why our Lord is coming with this devotion. He's saying, my child, I know you on your deepest level. I know your sins Mm -hmm. 
better than you know them. And I'm not coming to give you justice or condemnation. I'm coming to give you love. Mm-hmm. My love poured out for the sinner is mercy. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's hopeful. Right. That's, that's hopeful. Right. And that is true friendship with our Lord. Part three, the divine mercy image and the reality of Catholicism. So we've discussed these ways of devotion to divine mercy, and that leaves us with the last devotion, which is the image itself of divine mercy. And can you tell us a little bit about the history of the image and the image itself and and the symbolism that's wrapped into it? Yes, so the image was actually painted in Lithuania. Mm -hmm. It was painted by a man, and I'm going to butcher his name. He's (laughs) Lithuanian, Eugene Kazimierowski, or Kazimierowski. And St. Casimir, mm-hmm. uh, interestingly, is the patron saint of Lithuania. So this man is named for St. Casimir. Mm-hmm. He is the original painter. Now, we see many replicas of the Divine Mercy image. The original I want to discuss because mm-hmm. it has some unique qualities to it and characteristics that didn't necessarily get translated into some of the later replicas. So, the original image, I want to talk about that one. Mm-hmm. Some of the images show Jesus walking through a doorway. That's actually later. Mm-hmm. In the original image, Jesus is just on a kind of a dark background. Mm-hmm. But as you look at the image, his right hand is open like he's getting ready to wave at you, although his palm is um, is, is uh, facing to the left mm-hmm. rather than out in front of him. Mm-hmm. And his hand is lower than his shoulder. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. I want to get at it just a second. Right now, I just want to point out where the hand is located. Mm-hmm. His other hand, his left hand, is gently opening his cloak mm-hmm. and rays of light are shining out, both red and, and, and white or light blue, mm-hmm. to indicate his blood and the waters of baptism. Right. That sh- and, of course, he being the light of Christ that shined before us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His eyes are lowered. He's not looking at you. He's looking at the ground. And in the original, his left foot is just barely ahead of his right foot as he's taking kind of a baby step towards you. Uh-huh. Now, I want to explain why all of this detail matters. And I want to give it in the form of a true story okay. that a priest told me. A priest of mine, a friend of mine, was given a discussion on the divine mercy image. And a woman in the audience, her profession was she rescued dogs from abusive environments. Okay. And as she was looking at the image and hearing Father Bill discuss it, she realized just exactly why our Lord chose to appear the way that he did. She came up to Father afterwards and she said, do you know? That with the dogs that I've rescued, most of whom have been abused, right. if you raise your hand up above your shoulder, they will wince or growl because they're expecting you to hit them. Oh. So our Lord, rather than having the hand raised, his right hand raised above his shoulder, mm. which some images have, instead it's actually below his shoulder. Because she says you can hold your hand up below your shoulder to the dogs and they're not frightened you can do that before you slowly lower your hand to them and they recognize you as friends so they don't growl. And if they growl, she says, you slowly return your hand back to below your, sh- your shoulder. Oh, that way wow. you're not threatening. Right, right. All right, so his hand is below his shoulder, not threatening. Because remember, he's giving this, this mercy devotion to a world that has lost trust in God the Father as a loving Father, knows it's deep in sin, and is expecting to get whacked right. by God. Right. <laughs> so they don't want to get whacked. Exactly. So his hand is low. His eyes, she says, 
for a dog that's been abused, when you look at it in the eye, mm-hmm. that's intimidating. Right. They're expecting you. To, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. They may respond with a growl. Our Lord looks down, not in the eye, because she says that's exactly what she does with a dog who's been abused. She won't look at the dog right in the Mm -hmm. eye. She'll look a little bit lower so the dog knows she's giving him the attention, but she doesn't necessarily look at him in the eye so as not to intimidate him. Our our Lord, he's not looking directly at us like, you sinner, Mm -hmm. I'm coming for you now. Rather, he's, he's dropped his eyes just a little bit so he's not so threatening. Gently with his left hand, he's opening his garment so that the rays of light are exposed. But again, it's an action that's gentle. Right. He's not ripping. Right. Uh, his heart's not blasting out. Mm-hmm. He's, it's gentle as he's just gently showing you, this is what I've come to give you. Right. And then she said with regard to his feet, his left foot is just slightly ahead of his right foot as he's taking baby steps. Mm-hmm. Because she says when you take a large step towards a dog that's been abused, again, he's going to be skittish and feel threatened. He's right. either going to run or he might attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call that? Fright or flight yes. or fight? Yeah. And um, so our Lord, he's taking a small step. So we're not frightened. Mm-hmm. Everything is gentle. Mm-hmm. Everything is subtle. Everything beckons us to come close to him to receive mercy to receive the sacraments of the waters of baptism that wash us anew, wash away our sin, make room for the Holy Spirit, and then the red rays show his blood, the Eucharist, that he wishes to give us, that he may gently dwell in our soul and call us to be these agents of mercy. That's beautiful. I love how his hand gently opens his cloak as if like as an invitation. Right. Like we've mentioned this before. You've said that, like Christ doesn't force us. He's not here to say, this is what you have to do. There's no mm-hmm. other choice. Instead, he, he acknowledges the fact that we have free will and he invites us into a relationship and intimacy with him and how that's, that's just such a beautiful, like respectful, like invitation instead of like, like you said, like blasting into, into right, our lives. Right, mm-hmm. right. Our Lord is so gentle. Mm-hmm. The fact is because he's God and he's pure and he's full of love, that any selfish act is necessarily going to be stark on that kind of contrast uh, when we act sinfully. But what he wants is to teach us and to give us the power that he has, which is why he's offering us these rays of light in the Eucharist and baptism, Mm -hmm. to teach us how to love like him. But he knows we can't. Right. So rather than have his hand raised like he's going to slap us silly, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which might be what we deserve, (laughs) his hand is lowered. And everything is gentle and inviting to say, come to me, little one. I'm not here to harm. I'm here to love. Mm -hmm. And I want you to do the same. Beautiful. Uh, At the bottom of the image, you often see, Jesus, I trust in you. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the importance of trust in our faith life and why that is inscribed on the bottom of this image? Right, right. Our Lord specifically requested this be written on the bottom of the image. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I trust in you. Because if he's inviting us, He wants our trust. This is the very thing that seems to be missing in a culture that flees from God. Mm -hmm. We think that God is not a loving father. And as St. John Paul described in his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, Mm -hmm. he said, modern man has accepted, unfortunately or unwittingly, the temptation of Satan who wants to eradicate the love and the understanding of God as a father to eradicate that from our heart and replace it with God is tyrant. Right. And so we can only have two responses if God is a tyrant. Mm -hmm. We either are going to flee from him and want our autonomy, 
which is what modern secular culture has chosen, Mm -hmm. or we're going to submit to him and say, you're right, you're a tyrant, quit beating me, which is what Islam means, submission. Right. And if God is a tyrant, those are the only two possible responses. Mm -hmm. Only in our faith do we have this image of mercy to correct the false image that the enemy has sown in our hearts. Rather, God is a tyrant. He is a God of mercy, and he wants us to trust him. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing he asks. He says, to, he said to Faustina, your trust in me will dictate my response to you. Mm-hmm. He who trusts much, I will do much. Right. He who trusts little, I will do little. He calls for our trust. Mm-hmm. That's why he wanted her to write that. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I trust in you. Mm-hmm. This was such a, a real and prevalent thought back in 2015 when it was the year of mercy that Pope Francis declared. And I loved kind of one of the, the taglines or things that he repeated Pope Francis multiple times during this year was, merciful like the Father. And how beautiful that this divine, divine mercy image isn't just a picture of Christ, it's a picture of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so often I think it's easy to fall into this trap of thinking that God the Father is, is he's the just one who's going to whack us if we do something wrong, and Christ is merciful. And we hope that when we die, we get Christ and not God the Father, because then we'll get the invitation, then we'll get mercy. But the reality is, is that it's one God, and that's what we believe as Catholics, is the beauty of the, the fact that the Father is merciful. And when we look at the cross and see oh, here's this moment of mercy where Christ offers himself as expiation for our sins. Like that's available because God the Father gives us his only begotten son. And they're so intertwined. Right, right. Yeah, because as St. Philip says, uh, uh, Lord shows the Father Mm -hmm. in John 14 and Jesus says, Philip, how long must I be be with you? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And then elsewhere in his gospel, the Father and I are one. Right. He's come to reveal the face of the Father. Mm -hmm. And the face of the Father is a face of love, of mercy, of gentleness. The problem is Satan's done a good job of unfortunately damaging that Mm -hmm. view in our lives so that we think he's unjust, that he's a tyrant, that he's a dictator. He's come to take. Mm -hmm. He's come to restrict. He's come to um, uh, remove the fun, the freedom, the life that we want and give us one of rules. And that is, that's unfortunately the enemy's work that has created that image of God. Mm -hmm. I agree. God is... God is love, mm-hmm. and God is mercy, and Jesus has revealed that to us. Yes. So how does the divine mercy image point to the beauty and the truth of Catholicism, the physical case for Catholicism? Right. So I think, uh, first of all, this, this image itself is rather miraculous. And, mm-hmm. and, and in fact, how it even survived um, w- both the, uh, the, 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 ger- the Nazi invasion, mm-hmm. the German invasion of Poland and Lithuania and the Soviet Union, and the churches where it was held those churches were looted Mm -hmm. and yet this image survived until finally it was uh, i think now it is in lithuania i think it's in vilnius Mm -hmm. uh, the original so that now we could have replicas made of it based on the original image some of the replicas that we see were made without seeing the original image because it was under uh, Soviet uh, control, mm-hmm. but su- surprisingly survived. So it is a, a physical testimony in the miraculous survival of the reality of divine mercy in the Catholic Church and the miraculous uh, means he will take to make sure that that image survives for us. I think it also points to the heart of our faith, mm-hmm. which is this loving Father who gives us his Son, who then in turn gives us the Eucharist, which is the very beating heart of divine mercy put in us, that we in turn not only receive it, but are able to give it. Mm -hmm. And this was the last command he gives the apostles and really sums up the church. 
love one another as I have loved you. Beautiful. If people are listening, this may be the first time that they're really delving deeply into the message of divine mercy. Do you have any resources that you would recommend for further reading after if they have to do this episode? Well, definitely read the Divine Mercy mm-hmm. uh, Diary. Mm-hmm. There's also a website um, that is called The Divine Mercy. Mm-hmm. The Divine Mercy, one word, I think it's .org. Mm-hmm. And on this website, um, you can read plenty of Divine Mercy and uh, and discover for yourself uh, this 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 beauty mm-hmm. that that our Lord wants to give. I'm, I'm I'm furiously looking it up to make sure that I gave you the right uh, thedivinemercy.org. I had it right. Hey, you're right. Yep. <laughs> thedivinemercy.org. So you can go on there. You can also go into a Catholic bookstore. Mm-hmm. There are other books on divine mercy. Um, you've got your rosary beads if you don't go buy them, and you can also. Um, uh, download uh, how to pray the chaplet of divine mercy and begin praying that every day. Perfect. So we've talked about three things in this episode. The first was we talked about the life of St. Faustina and we learned how she came from humble beginnings, but our Lord chose her specifically from the beginning. He had in mind this plan for divine mercy Mm -hmm. and, and the way that she shared it throughout the world. And then we discussed devotions to the Divine Mercy and talked about Divine Mercy Sunday, which we will just celebrate it when this episode comes out and the, the beauty of the chaplet and the incredible promises offered by the Novena. And then lastly, we talked about the image of Divine Mercy, how it's so much more than just an image and it really points to the beauty of our faith. Right. The beauty and the, the gentle invitation. That's right. 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 Beautiful. So thanks, Troy, for your time today. Thank you, Chloe. Thanks for coming on. God bless you. Yeah. And well, let's close in a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, 